Glory, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're still in our lesson, Biblical Forgiveness. Remember, we continue to call it Biblical Forgiveness because we as people have our own way of forgiving. And we'll see tonight, uh, we'll kind of go over some of our ways of how we tend to forgive people, which is not a biblical way, but we convince ourselves that's the way it should be. And so we will go through that tonight. We're on Biblical Forgiveness, Lesson 4, and we will get into it again. Our theme scripture is Matthew 18, verse number 7. And that Matthew 18, verse number 7 says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. The key to that scripture there that we just read says, It must need be that offenses come. So it's clear that whether we want it to or not, offenses will come to every one of us. All of us in this room will be offended. Offense will come to you. You can't escape it. Because the scriptures say, it must needs be. So it has to happen. So whether we want it to or we don't want it to, offense will happen. You will be offended. And there's nothing you can do about it. We just have to know that we will be offended. But if you go through the word of God, that is why God has given us so many scriptures that helps us to understand how to deal with offense when it comes. And unfortunately, offense has come oftentimes in our life, uh, even as Christians, and we have not dealt with the offense the right and proper way. We have not dealt with it the way God says we need to deal with that offense. We deal with it the way we, we, we seem, we think is okay with us, and however we feel like we need to deal with it, and not the way God says. And so we have to look at the scriptures closely to see what God says, how we must deal with scriptures when we are offended. So an offense happens, and if you're not going to forgive, there is an imbalance. Understand what we've been talking about, that if 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 you and someone is in a relationship and you guys' relationship just flow and everything is fine and you do your thing and all of a sudden someone does something to upset or offend the other person, that relationship goes right out of balance. And that's easy to understand because guess what? You just know there's something different. You know, we like to say there's just something different between us. And so an offense had taken place uh, and it needs to be dealt with. And we can't just ignore it like it, it's not there. But what it means is a balance. There is now, uh, 
your relationship is out of balance. And the only way it gets back in balance is through biblical forgiveness. The offense upset the balance that was there before because when you were in right relationship with someone, there is balance. When your relationship is good, there is balance. Okay? And so we talked about the alternatives that we tend to exercise instead of forgiving. So the first thing we do when something, the, the, the first alternative that we normally resort to when we don't want to forgive and forgive like we need to is what we say, restitution. So instead of forgiving someone uh, when they offend you, we go to restitution. and But that's not forgiveness. So restitution is impossible to bring back the balance. The balance doesn't come back through restitution. And some of us may try after restitution, retaliation. And we know retaliation, it, it destroys both people because you just keep on retaliating back and forth. Okay, you offended me, so I need to do something to offend you back. And that person said, I didn't do it that bad, so I'm going to offend you back. And it's just a back and forth of retaliation when really all that was supposed to happen was forgiveness. When we don't retaliate or we get past retaliation, then there is resentment. So instead of forgiving, there's resentment. And we know resentment hurts you more than the person that offended you. Right? So when you resent somebody, it, it, it messes with you physically, emotionally. So you walked around resenting someone thinking that you're doing them harm, but you're really doing yourself more harm when you resent someone, when all you have to do is just forgive them for what they did to you. Then we also go to reservation, and we say reservation doesn't work either because it's not in the plan of God. When you put people on reservation, put them on reservation, so it means reservation like, you know, just keep them at arm's length, reservation, you know, let them stay to the side there. When you do that, there is no unity with you and that person. There is no fellowship. And God talks a lot in the scripture about unity and about fellowship. So if you resort to reservation as opposed to forgiveness, then then that person and, and yourself, you're not in, in fellowship. And so that's not God's will either. So what do we do now? We progress in our spiritual course to the next highest spiritual level of not forgiving. Here's what we do. We just let it roll off. So the next alternative we use is just let it roll off. Now there's much can be say roll off. Roll off really has to do with a terminology with, you know, a, a radio frequency and stuff like that, but I'm not going to get into that kind of technology. I'm going to tell you what people thought about way back in the day when they thought about roll-off. Roll-off mostly was used, the, the, the big term that people think about when they think about roll-off is water off a duck's back. So a duck, um, you know, they're oily, and so the oil goes into their feather, and when the oil goes into their feather, it makes it slippery, and so the deal is, 
when water get on their feather, it easily runs off because their feather is slippery. And so when people are talking about roll off, what they're really saying is, I'll just let you roll off me, just like water off a duck's back. I won't pay you no mind. Whatever you say, I'm just going to let it roll off. And so we go around. We didn't forgive. We just go around now saying, I just, you know, let it roll off. Act like it doesn't. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You're going through life ignoring everything that irritates you because in your mind, uh, I'm just going to let it roll off. I don't care. So a lot of us going through life, I don't care. You, you think that you're just letting it roll off. We know people who go through life haven't eliminated uh, people from their fellowship because they are letting them roll off. I'm just going to not talk to you anymore. I'm just going to ignore you. And so that's considered roll off. Okay. Roll off is ignoring the offense as a means of avoiding the sacrifice of repentance. The demand for restitution, the devastation of retaliation, the wounds of resentment, the isolation of reservation. It is one level of spirituality higher than reservation. Roll off is the highest level of human tolerance, human tolerance. So we, when we start to, uh, for lack of a better word, perform the act of roll off, it is tolerance. So you're saying, I'll just tolerate it. I won't retaliate. I won't do this. I won't do that. I will just tolerate what they have done and act like they didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. It decides that balance is not attainable until the end and chooses to pretend that the static caused by the offense really doesn't exist. So you're just acting like the offense didn't exist. However, roll off eventually builds up. Mm -hmm. It it builds up. You, You can't continue to ignore it. The after effect of the offense and the new offenses become intolerable when this happens. It means everything just gets built up and you're just like, I can't take this anymore. So while roll off at best seems to keep the peace for a while, it also takes the true joy of living in fellowship in your life. It really only perpetuates the imbalance as it is. This is the greatest level of spirituality that most people get to. They go through life. When you hear me say this, this is the level of spirituality. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't mean literally that. It means that we're substituting forgiveness for these things and we call them spiritual. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, here is, here is truth. Tom and I, uh, Tom offended me and you know what I'm going to do? Put him on a reservation. And I call that spiritual. Oh, that gets done in church all the time. We put him on a reservation and we said it's spiritual. He's not right. I don't want pe- people that's not right be around me. That's what we said. That's, that, so, we, so, so we're practicing something we're thinking is spiritual when it's really not godly. There is no, you don't fix problems by ignoring them. You don't fix problems by putting people on reservation. You don't fix problems by retaliating. So, but, but we do it and say that we're working on the problem and this is the best way to do it because 
they are not right. And so we just have to leave them out. And we think that's spiritual. Mm -hmm. They go through life just ignoring the static. And they end up with a life that is empty. There are people that's going to end up with a life that is empty. If we don't live our life the way God says, it's going to have an adverse effect on us. But somehow, if we can ever break this mindset as people... Yes, we all may be smarter than each other in different areas because of experiences that we have. And so because we understand that, that we could be smarter than each other in different areas because of experience, that attitude carries over and it sticks with us. And so unfortunately... Somehow, we can't understand that when we read the Word of God, whatever it says, there is no possible way that we're going to outsmart the Word of God. Because it's not somebody, some man or woman that, that gave us the Word of God. So, so that, that way of being, how we behave ourselves, always get us in trouble because, you know, we, we, you know, Tom, you're a science teacher, so you might know science real good, so I'll give you credit for, for science. But me, on the other hand, you know what? I know a lot about, you know, marijuana. And so when we started talking about marijuana, you can't tell me. And so I'll tell you. And so we understand that as people in life that we might know something that, that, that someone else doesn't know. And so we kind of operate like that. That's the exchange in life all the time. That's why we have conversations sometimes, you know. What do you do for work? And so you tell me what you do because you're an expert in that, and I'll tell you what I do. So we're always exchanging information to see, okay, um, how can I gain more? Or how can I show that I'm smarter than you? You move in a good, move in a good neighborhood, nice neighborhood. And sooner or later, your neighbor's going to come to you and say, hey, hey, Mr. Thomas, how are you? What do you do for a living? They're sizing you up. Because what you do for a living, tell them everything about you. They don't want to know about if you like sports. They will get to that eventually. They will get to what you like to eat eventually. They want to know what do you do. Because what do you do? Tell them if you can really afford that house. What do you do? Tell them, okay, what kind of IQ, intelligence, probably how much uh, education you have. All of that is going on. So we have this habit where we go and ask people questions so we can figure stuff out. And that bad habit is killing us when we're trying to live for God. Because living for God, when that word says there is no other way. You can't get around that. You can't figure out a smarter way. And if you think you figured out a smarter way, you tried it because something happened when you tried that. Oh, you're just leading yourself down a dark, deep hole. Sooner or later, you're going to come back to say, God was right. Because this is God's word. It's not anybody else's word. And so we can't do anything and get ahead outside of doing it the way God says. And so with roll off, we're just isolating people. We're not in fellowship with people. And our life ends up empty. 
what you see people doing or how they're living don't mean everything is great in their life. Obviously, with my neighbor. You know, anybody come by, you would think, dude is doing great. Single, a lot of girlfriends, cars, he's got his own business, got a nice big house. What would make him want to take his life? Look like everything is going good. But looking like everything is going good and everything is going good is two different things. And, and, and I've come to just understand that only my relationship with Christ being healthy is me living good. Because you can live in, you can be living good financially. You can be living good with material things, but deep down, man, there is so much that's in your heart that's just, you're, you're hurting about and, and so much deep down inside of you that's just, just holding you captive. And so you're not free even though it looks like it from the outside. Romans 8 verse 18 says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Can we just wait on Jesus? Can we just wait on Jesus? Somebody tell your neighbor, can we just wait on Jesus? It doesn't matter how bad it gets. Can we just wait on Jesus? It doesn't matter how hard it is. Can we just wait on Jesus? Let Jesus have the final word in whatever you're trying to go through and deal with. We all struggle. I don't, don't let anybody fool you. In any way, we shouldn't be looking at anybody. We should be looking on Jesus. We should be focused on Jesus. And so it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. We should be focused on Jesus. There's a guy named Darren Sargent. He's um, a pastor out in California. And he said this. Physical problem or physical problems. Well, let me read his whole quote. In other words, he is talking about this. This, this suffering here. And his response to that was, in other words, you can have a physical problem and still have strength of spirit to carry you through everything. Darren Sargent only have one arm. And if you ever meet this guy, he's the most jovial guy. He's a pastor. One arm. He didn't let it stop him. So he can speak intelligently about suffering. Going through life with one arm, but it, it didn't stop him because, because the joy of the Lord is in his heart and he's just walking through life in the power of God. And so with the one arm, it's all good because he probably is all charged up about the scripture. It's best to get into heaven with one arm than to go to hell with two arms. He, he's got that. He's living that. The problem is when an offense comes. It wounds the inner man, and a wounded spirit cannot live forever. In order, they, I don't know this, and I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but this just came to mind in um, mentioning that. People have said that when their loved ones are killed, and they can't find the killer, it's like they can't get any peace and rest from it. And it's not until 
they find the person that committed the crime that they sometimes get some kind of rest from it. But if, if most, most people that I've heard that said, you know, their loved one were killed, if they never found or it takes a long time to find the person who committed the crime, it's, it's, it's difficult for them to be, become peaceful with that. And so it goes on and they're, they're troubled in their spirit. They're troubled in their spirit. And so, it's a wounded spirit. And so for some of us, we get offended and because we never dealt with it, our spirit is wounded. We cannot live with roll-off forever. It might seem like you're getting by for a little bit, but eventually, degeneration will take place. Uh huh. And so we have to deal with our... Offenses the right way. All right. Let's roll off. There is one more effort that we need to try or that we normally try as an alternative. So we have we have all these ones that we talked about already. We have restitution, which doesn't work. We have retaliation, which doesn't work. We have resentment, that doesn't work. Reservation, that doesn't work. And now we just talked about roll off, and we know that doesn't work. But there's another one. Uh huh. There's another one. How many have ever heard the phrase "forgive and forget"? Uh huh. This is the biggest fallacy that we usually say: forgive and forget. Uh huh. So, the other alternative that we do is forget or at least act like we forget or at least try to forget. (laughs) Forgetting is the ultimate alternative to forgiveness. It is the absolute highest level of spirituality outside of God's plan. (laughs) Okay. So again, we're doing these things and spin them as spiritual when it cannot be because God's plan is we have to forgive. So God's plan say you forgive. Our plan say I'm just going to forget it. Mm-hmm. Forgetting is the offended trying to go beyond roll off to actually not remember the offense anymore. There are all kinds of techniques that people try to do to not remember or to forget. Uh huh. Probably one of the best is to replace the memory of the bad thing with something good. So this is one of the techniques that we would try to use to forget things. Listen, we can't really forget things because we don't have the capacity to forget things. All right. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Forgetting is living a lie. So when you claim you forget something, you didn't forget it. You, you was living a lie. You know, you remember, you're just acting like you forgot it. Mm-hmm. Pretending that the problem never existed or exists no more. Pretending that the effects are natural and to be accepted as a natural right. 
Uh-huh. I'll use myself as an example. Of all the alternatives that's used here, this is probably the one that I used before. Uh-huh. Because I'm good at just moving on. <laughs> I put myself on the spot. You can figure out what yours is. But mine probably, the best one for me is this one. Forgetting. I didn't forget it. But what I will do is, I will just justify what you have done. Maybe it's your upbringing. Maybe you had a bad experience. That's fine. I'll just forget it and move right on. That's me. That's the one that I would probably use. That's the one that I've, I have used in the past and had to realize that God's word said it's not a substitute. It's not an alternative. You have to forgive the person and move on. And certainly I have. But that's mine right there. Pretending. No problem. We'll move past it. Act like it never happened. Give an explanation. Yeah, you know, they had a bad situation there, so I understand why they did it. I've done so many things in my life that I'm not proud of, and I wish I had the capacity to forget them. Anybody else? Just me? Okay. Things that I've done or people that I've harmed, I wish I could forget those things. Anybody? Just me? But you don't forget them. You can do a good job of forgetting for a while, but then something will happen that will remind you and it will come back to your memory, creep right back into your mind. So here's the, here's the, here's the truth. You cannot govern your memory completely. You cannot govern your memory completely. So if you're going to play like you forget, just live in a lie. Why can't I ever forget? If you do the first one, the second won't be a problem. What do you mean? If you do the roll off, you can do the forgetting. But it's still not true because you can't really control your memory. Let me show you why. We like to say... <laughs> We like to say this. Jesus forgot all my sins. Jesus cast all my sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Again, stuff church people say. He cast my sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He don't remember them anymore. Hebrews 8 and 12 says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He didn't say I forget. He says I remember no more. God never said I will forget your sins. He only said I will remember them no more. Let me remind you that God still has Nail-scarred hands and feet. What are those wounds that you have, Lord? 
He still has them. Don't you think God could have let his wounds heal without any scars? Mm -hmm. Uh But he didn't let them heal without any scars. Listen, we do a pretty good job reminding each other of our wrong. So, trust me, you won't be able to just forget it. Just don't work. We do a pretty good job. You remember what you did to me? So the alternative does not work. If Jesus didn't say he forget, then you're not going to forget. Jesus didn't say, I forgot your sins. He says, I remember them no more. Because can Jesus really forget anything? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we, we hold on to some things that we traditionally hear gets talked about. And if you stop and start to search the scripture and really start thinking about them, about who you know God is, you start saying, yeah, why did I ever believe that? That Jesus forget all of our sins. What can he forget? And if, and 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 I'm gonna bet if I go and study that word, remember deeply in 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 the scripture, it's probably gonna say he choose to just not bring them back up. <laughs> if I really go and study, I'm sure that's what it means. That it didn't mean he he remembers them no. He chose to just not bring them back up because he can't forget anything and he knows everything. <laughs> so the alternative of forgetting does not work. Why no alternative for forgiveness work? When the offense is remembered, forgetting fails and results in roll-off, which fails when the toleration limits is reached and then degenerates into reservations, Uh which is destroyed by competition for friends and territory, either Inadvertently or purposely, this creates tension which degenerates into resentment, both for failure to maintain the boundaries and also for the original offense. Resentment breeds and grows, feeding on itself and eventually justifies. Retaliation, which creates a chain reaction of evil for evil that does not result in restitution but in total war. There is only one thing that remains, the sacrifice of forgiving. There is a price to be paid in that forgiveness. But there's also a price to be paid for all the alternatives as well. So if you choose to go with all the alternatives, there's a price to pay. If you choose to go with forgiveness and forgive, and it's going to make you feel probably humiliated in some way. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable in some way. You know, all the things that goes with you going to someone and say, you know, either you're asking them for forgiveness or you're going to them and to say, listen, you did this and it really hurt me. But you know what? I want to be your brother. I want us to be in right relationship. I want us to be in right balance. I forgive you. No big deal. We'll get into this a little bit more next week. Next week, it's going to be pretty interesting. It's some deep stuff. But we'll get into this a little bit more. 
A person know when you come genuinely and sincere to them. Don't even bother thinking that. You only create a greater mess by going to someone to say, I forgive you, when you're going over to just say it to seem like you are spiritual. People can pick up on that. Just, you're coming over. Hey, Tom, I, I, I forgive you. Tom can feel it coming a mile away if I go over and do that and tell him I forgive you when I'm just saying it to act like I'm spiritual. But if I go over genuinely because I want Tom and I to be right as brothers in Christ, the way I'm going over to say I forgive you, he's going to feel it. In, it's just going to overtake him. There, remember I told you um, the word of God says, Jesus says my word is spirit and they are life. Never forget that. I remember God gave my revelation on that. What your words that you speak, they are spirit and they are life. It has life with it. And there's a spirit behind it. So when you go and say something to someone, they know if it's legit or it's not. They might not have all the explanation and can figure it all out, but they can just walk away saying, eh, someone right about that. They can't explain to you everything that transpired. They just know something just wasn't right about that. And you walking away think you did your great Christian duty. And God is saying, are you kidding me? You didn't fool them and you didn't fool me. Because this thing is so serious that it's about us having right relationship with one another. And God take that stuff very serious. He will not take any phony uh, uh, way of being with one another. So we probably can try it, but all it's going to do is take us deeper into that situation. It's going to take us further down, and it won't be good for us. So my, my suggestion is when that time come where you feel like you need to forgive or ask for forgiveness, you got to pray and fast. You got to go to the Lord. So when you finally get to that place of doing it, that person will know it's really true and it's genuine. It's coming from your heart. It's not just lip service because you can do more damage than you do good when you try to go to someone to claim, I forgive you, when really and truly you're just trying to seem like you're the spiritual superior one. We had a situation, doesn't matter, we can't figure out who did the offense, but now we kind of doing the reservation thing and maybe a little roll-off thing and maybe even a little forgetting thing. And finally, one of us come over and say, I forgive you. You're coming over trying to act like I'm better than you. We still can't even get it right. <laughs> you see how that works? I'm coming over trying to let you, I'm better than you. You couldn't come over. Five months now we've been going around with this thing, you know, between us. So let me be the bigger man. And that's how we have done it. Let me be the bigger man. When really and truly, you'll see. I'll give you a little sneak peek into next week. The word of God says, <laughs> there's a scripture that talks about if, if, if your brother offended you, right? That it says, go to him. And then when you go to him, you supposed to go and try to work it out, right? Then if your brother don't hear you, the Bible says, Go and get another two, one or two, and come back and try to work it out. Now, the whole time you're trying to work it out, what you're trying to work out is, here's what we don't see, what you're trying to work out is the two witnesses 
I'm, I'm there saying, I'm telling Hydea and Brother Scarlett, I'm saying, listen, I'm trying to let Tom know how badly I want our friendship back. We'll get into that next week. Because you don't go trying to act superior. You're going to let Tom know I miss our friendship. And they're witnesses because you know what? I'm going to talk to them and say, I need you guys to come with Tom. You don't tell them the whole situation. Don't even get into it. Just say Tom and I have an altercation or there's an offense. You don't have to go into details. And I just miss his friendship. And I want us to be back friends. And so you bring them. And so you come. And I'm talking to Tom. I miss our friendship. And, you know, I'm trying to get him in. And 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 they're just there to witness. Say, yeah, Tom, he's really mentioned to us how much he miss you. That's what we don't do. And so that's what is supposed to go on. And the Bible says, and if he won't hear the witnesses, then tell it to the church. And if he won't hear the church, then tell it to the church. Just mean bring some more people because we're all the church, right? Just bring some more people. If he won't hear the church then let him be as a publican or a sinner. But here is the big word that some of these people miss, that they want to kick people out of the church because they say they won't hear the church. It says the difference between the publican, the sinner, and my brother is this. He's my brother still. The publican and the sinner, they're not my brother's. But he's my brother. So every instance of the text that you're reading, it says you and your brother. So as much as he might have just been nasty and out of control, the Bible still calls him my brother. So I'm supposed to be trying to go to get me and my brother back restored. Whereas in the past, people try to go and say, well, He's just a sinner because he's living like, no, the Bible calls him my brother. Even though he has sinned, the Bible calls him my brother. So when we start thinking about, we'll talk about that next week. We'll go through the actual exercise of how it worked. When we start talking about how we restore relationship by forgiving, the person that you and them have the issue with, they're your brother. They're your sister. So no matter how you want to swing it, they're still, they still belong to God is what the Bible is really saying. They still belong to God and you belong to God. So you got to get it together because you're from the same home. You're from the same father. You're from the same family. So get it together. So you can't treat someone like because they messed up like they're not a Christian anymore. No, they're Christian. They just had a bad episode or did something wrong. They're still Christians. I remember I watched that for a little bit back in the day, how we just act like when people sin, they're no longer Christians. They're sinners. They ain't right. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh.
prayer, prayer. That's you're getting into my lesson next week. Some things only come through fasting and prayer. See, again, comes from what I just talked about when I started out service tonight. How much does it really mean to us for someone to get on the right track with God? How much does it mean to us? Or are we quick to say, well, they ain't right, so I'm leaving them alone. Do you feel comfortable that your loved one is not trying to go in the direction of God? Don't, shouldn't you be uncomfortable if your kids, your relatives, you know, they're not going in the right way? You should always be uncomfortable with that and constantly seek God. God, deliver them. Save them, Lord. I know you want to save them. So please, Lord, whatever it takes, you know, set them free from the bondage of sin. And so we never stop and leave a person where they are if where they are is going to cause them to go to hell if they die. We should never stop at that. Romans 8:28. Are y'all getting my lesson again? The scripture says, "For we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose." And so, if you're a child of God, if you know you're a child of God, then here is the truth that we must not deny. Everything that's happening in my life, God is allowing. What does God want me to do in all of this? See, again, here we go again. We don't want to deal with the hard part. But what we quote that scripture all the time. For we know all things work together. Okay, so God is going to bring some difficult people in my life. God's going to bring some challenges in my life. Why? Because maybe there's something in my life that needs to be worked out and I can't see it. But the way I am going to deal with those people in a godly way is going to release me and help me in the area where I was just not, a, I was just not good in. So when we say we know all things work together for good, it means good and bad and indifference. We can't say that scripture and it only works for good. We get, we, we get somebody give us some money and we say, oh man, I know all things work together. No, no, no. When it goes really bad and it's really messed up, all things work together. Because God did not insert himself in a situation to try to block it. I always say that, that I'm a child of God. I'm confident I'm a child of God. And if he did not block it, then he wanted me to experience this. And now the question is, why you want me to experience this, God? Is it because I got a situation in my life? Is it because my heart not right in this area? What is it, Lord? Because remember, I read the Bible not for me to tell you what to do, but for me to know what I need to do. So when I read the Bible, I'm not reading it to say what, see what your problem is. I'm reading the Bible to know what my problem is. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? This thing is not as easy as we think it is. 
a lot of work. And we got to keep on working and working and working. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are our strength. You are our redeemer. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need the word of God in our hearts, in our thoughts. Lord Jesus, we need to grow. We need to really do as you have commanded. Help us, Lord God, to go above and grow and rise up, Lord God, above where we have been for so long. I know you're calling us, Lord God, to higher heights, to deeper dimension in you. I know, Almighty God, you've set before us an open door. But God, if we don't get up and walk through it, we can never experience what you want us to experience. We can never do what you want us to do. And so, God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice here tonight and those, Lord God, that will come together with us on Sunday, that, Lord Jesus, we will get up. And walk through that door because it's a door of opportunity. It's a door, oh God, that we need to walk through that we are able to do what you have commanded us to do. Lord, help us to not be comfortable in the state that we're in. Yes, Lord, content but not comfortable. But stir us and shake us and move us. That, Lord God, we can become so in tune with you that each and every day we wake up, Lord God. We will walk by faith and not by sight. We will do what you want us to do, Lord God. I pray that every word spoken here tonight will take root into our heart, will grow and produce good fruit. We love you, Jesus. We pray your blessing upon us. And we pray that as we go from this place tonight, your hand will continue to be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. God bless you.